Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Gadget Reason Radio here on Anchor FM, or if you're listening via the podcast, welcome to all of you as well. My name is Sean, and I am your host, and this is another edition of the Tech Download. So it is Monday, and uh, that means we have quite a few tech stories that have been circulating and building over the weekend. So we have a lot to get to. So let's go ahead and jump in with your tech download for Monday, November 13th, 2017. If any of you have been paying attention to the world of cryptocurrencies over the past uh, 8 to 12 months, you've seen that Bitcoin has been on a bit of ex- an explosion as of late. Now, uh, in the past four days, Bitcoin saw one of its first major crashes in quite a while, dropping nearly $2,000 over that four-day span of time. So uh, one of the interesting things, though, is that as quickly as people could start writing articles and commenting on social media, Twitter, Instagram, about this collapse of Bitcoin that many have been speculating was due to come anytime now, it had already bounced back by nearly $1,700. So uh, it went from being at around $75 to $7,600 all the way down to about $5,700. And as of the time of this recording, it's now back up towards that $6,500 price range. So it's well on its way to recovering from this little mini crash. So if any of you out there are interested in cryptocurrencies, then uh, it's definitely an interesting time to start paying attention to what's going on with all of the major changes to uh, the blockchain technology and everything that's going on with the forks with Bitcoin and also some of the things with the Lightning Network that's coming to um, all of the altcoins in the near future, which should allow for things like atomic swaps and uh, a lot of other interesting things to help make this a more viable currency. So um, yeah, definitely an interesting thing that happened to Bitcoin over the past four days, and it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next week or so. Two of the larger chip makers in the world, Qualcomm and Broadcom, have been going back and forth in a disagreement over a takeover bid. Last week, rumors started circulating that uh, Broadcom was looking to actually purchase Qualcomm with a record-breaking bid of about $130 billion, and it looks like Qualcomm today has rejected that offer. A unanimous decision from Qualcomm's board of directors expressed the company's belief that Broadcom's offer was dramatically undervaluing Qualcomm and that it comes with significant regulatory uncertainty. Don't forget that Qualcomm is currently involved in a legal dispute with Apple, and that could have a major role or impact on the value of the company, depending on how that all shakes out. But also, Qualcomm is positioned pretty well to make a pretty big impact on the transition from 4G networks to 5G in the near future. So uh, this could be all part of the things that Qualcomm's board of directors were considering when they took in the value of the company versus what was being offered by Broadcom. It'll be interesting to see if they're still looking to field other offers from other suitors looking to purchase the company or if they're really interested in just flying it solo and continuing on the direction that they see for the company in the near future. It's looking more and more likely that the iPhone 10 is hurting the sales of the iPhone 8 and 8 Plus even more than people originally anticipated. If you remember when the iPhone 8 and 8 Plus first launched, there was a lot of rumors and reports coming out that the sales were much less than Apple's expectations and much lower than previous iPhone launches. And when you combine that with the fact that iPhone 10 sales are reportedly off the charts, it seems to be painting a picture that people really were holding out for the first truly new design and newly 
innovative product from Apple in terms of their phone lineup in quite a few years. So, you know, it's definitely not the first time that Apple has products that overlap and sort of cannibalize each other's sales, or at least apparently. Um, there's definitely been times where the original iPads or even the iPad Pro when it launched started to cannibalize on some of the Mac laptop sales. And when you look at other products like the last generation of iPods, which were basically iPhones minus the LTE or, uh, you know, 4G connectivity radios, it was pretty hard to justify the three and four hundred dollar price tags for an iPod when you could just basically buy an iPhone and have both in one device. So I don't know if this is going to be a trend for Apple where they continue to try and see if they can play both sides of the fence, but it seems to me that they probably could have just skipped the iPhone 8 this year and delayed the launch of the 10 by just those few short months and gone with one device this year. But um, I don't know. Let me know what you guys think. Are you one of the people that held out for the iPhone 10 over the 8 and 8 Plus? Or did you purchase an 8 and you're not really seeing the big benefit? of an iPhone 10. Let me know. It looks like the Xbox One X enhanced version of Halo 5 is getting high praise for being a groundbreaking achievement and really paving the way to show developers what can be done with the power of the Xbox One X. The guys over at Digital Foundry, if you don't follow them on YouTube, you definitely should. They do some pretty amazing comparison videos, breaking down both hardware and software, and really breaking down things like resolution, graphical performance, and basically anything that has to do with gaming technology. And uh, they did a video recently talking about the patches to Halo 5 and comparing it with the standard Xbox One version that has been out for quite a while. And they were incredibly impressed with the results and made a really cool video that I will link here here in the description for this segment if you're listening via Anchor. If you're listening via the podcast, it'll be in the uh, show notes or the episode notes for this episode. But basically, they looked at everything from resolution to frame rate and graphical quality. And what's interesting is, is that both versions of Halo 5, the original for Xbox One and the Xbox One X, were set to target 60 frames per second, which they mostly achieved. However, on the original Xbox One, the game really struggled to get any higher than 810p in most game sequences. Now, both versions use a dynamic resolution, which basically scales the resolution up and down depending on the demands of the GPU and CPU. But with the Xbox One version, it very rarely achieved its target goal of 1080p, and it was usually hovering somewhere around 810. Now, with the Xbox One X version, they're targeting obviously a full fat 26 2160p or full 4k and it doesn't always reach that but for the most part it spends much more time at 2160p or 4k than the previous generation did hitting 1080p and the difference is pretty staggering the guys over at Digital Foundry found that the, there was about a 500 to 600% increase in resolution when viewing the patch game on the One X. Now, to put things in perspective, they were talking about the 100% increase in resolution making a huge difference when looking at the comparisons of Assassin's Creed Origins being played on the One X versus the PS4 Pro. So if 100% increase made a huge difference in that game, you can only imagine what a 5 or 600% increase looks like on a game like Halo 5. It ends up looking like a completely new game with reskinned art and assets and it's actually just incredible i've seen it myself uh, that was one of the first games that i checked out when i set up my xbox one x and the patch is huge like most of the 4k patches for the xbox one x enhanced titles but it is well worth the download and the hard drive space when you see just how incredible it looks especially if you're playing on a rather large 4k hdr television 
Everything in-game looks sharper, more crisp, and more detailed. Even things like all of the different uh, statistics of the weapon you're holding on the little LCD display that's on the gun. You can see all the details like battery life or how many rounds are left. And these were just a blurry mess in the original version of Halo 5 on the Xbox One. Not only is all of the in-game footage greatly improved, but also all the cutscenes have been bumped up to 2160p or 4K also and have extra lighting effects and other noticeable details added to the background. It's just an incredible presentation from top to bottom, and the game looks absolutely flawless. Uh, One of the other things they commented about in terms of performance was that they very rarely saw anything fall below 60 frames per second, Um, and that is basically just, again, speaking to the incredible power of the Xbox One X. After all, it's a pretty huge jump over not only the original Xbox or the One S, but also over the PS4 Pro as well. If you're not playing on a 4K television, don't worry. There's still an extra benefit for you if you're playing on a 1080p display as well because the Xbox One X does utilize super sampling, which means the game is rendered out at that full 4K resolution and then downsampled down to fit your 1080p display, resulting in incredibly sharp, clear, crisp imagery that has a really nice anti-aliasing effect and it just looks incredible. I've seen it on both a 1080p display and a 4K display. So if you have an Xbox One X, I highly recommend that if you uh, don't have Halo 5, I would recommend grabbing that and playing through that game. Even if you've already played it before, it's worth playing through a second time with the better visuals and the better performance. If you're still not convinced of the benefits of having an LTE-enabled Apple Watch Series 3, then perhaps this story might change your mind. It turns out a 49-year-old man was practicing kite surfing off the coast of California, which is obviously known to be rather infested with great white sharks, and he had a wipeout and was unable to relaunch his kite. So uh, I guess he used his Apple Watch LTE to call his sons, tell them that he was going to probably be late coming home, and then ask them to get him the number to the Coast Guard, which he then you know, called them via his Apple Watch and uh, gave them directions. He was able to stay on on the phone with them via his Apple Watch while he was waiting for them to come by and pick him up. And he directed them to exactly where he was. So uh, in the story, the 49-year-old John Zillis says that I was learning to foil on light wind and was cruising along proud of myself and realized I was quite a way offshore. He goes on to say that I had a huge wipeout and my hydrofoil skated away from me and as I was swimming away my kite fell down and because it was a light and calm day I couldn't get it to fly again. Suddenly I was a mile offshore and my ride was over. The 49 year old went on to say that I was really surprised that I had strong signal so I called my kids and said not to worry and I also asked them to get me the number to the coast guard just in case. He was so impressed with the signal quality and the performance of the Apple Watch in this situation that he took the time to send a letter to Tim Cook telling him about his story and he did say he get a he did get a short but sweet reply saying wow happy to hear you are safe. Obviously, this isn't a situation that many of us will be likely to find ourselves in with our Apple Watches, but it does kind of highlight the fact that there are some nice added benefits to having access to LTE, being able to send text messages or make phone calls without having your phone with you at all times. People could be in various situations where maybe they're in a car accident or maybe their phone itself gets broken and damaged, but their Apple Watch is still fine and uh, it could be really convenient. I personally use it a lot to listen to music like ESPN radio uh, or just just to be able to uh, make phone calls or send text messages or get them when I'm doing something quick like running an errand or walking my dog. So uh, definitely a cool story and I think that uh, Apple is probably thrilled to hear 
hear stories like that sort of validating their decision to make the Apple Watch capable of receiving phone calls and text messages without your phone. The Google Pixel 2 XL has seen its fair share of complaints about its display with everything ranging from screen burn-in to washed out colors and the horrible blue tint you get when you tilt the phone off access. But it looks like Google's not quite out of the woods yet when it comes to fielding complaints about the Pixel 2 XL's display. The latest issue that's plaguing some users is unresponsive touches on the edges of the display. A few different posts on YouTube and around the web have shown videos that the phone can seem to handle swiping on the edges just fine, but it's failing to respond to taps. The good news is that this does look like a software issue and Google is already reportedly working on a patch to fix the problem. The problem apparently stems from the device's accidental touch protection feature and it may just be working a little bit too effectively. So. As we sit by and wait for yet another patch from Google to fix another display issue, um, it has everybody left wondering if the Pixel 2 XL maybe should have been delayed just a little bit so that Google could do a little bit more testing and quality assurance before shipping these devices out to users. So let me know what you guys think. Have you had any issues with your Google Pixel 2 XL? And if you have, let me know how severe they are and if it's enough to make you want to send the device back or is it leaving you just a little bit disappointed with your purchase? Leave me a comment or call in and let me know. It looks like Face ID has already been hacked. So the big question is how severe is this hack and should you be worried? A Vietnamese security firm, which is basically just a nice way of saying a group of hackers, has apparently found a way to successfully hack the Face ID. Now, they did this hack using a very sophisticated 3D printed model of the person's face and then combined that with super high resolution photos of key areas of the face that were then glued onto the 3D printed model. So the real question is, how severe is this hack and how much damage is it going to do to Apple's claims that Face ID is a relatively secure or is better and more secure than Touch ID? Um, and I think the question or the answer is that it's really nothing to worry about at all. If uh, you remember when Touch ID first came out, there was a group of hackers that figured out how to spoof or fool the uh, Touch ID on your iPhone. But the real issue is, is that in order to make these hacks happen, there's a lot of things that have to go on in the background or before you can actually achieve the hack to that, that are going to basically make the hack pretty useless. So in the case of Face ID, the uh, Vietnamese security firm in question claimed that they were able to do this with about $100 worth of investment in order to make this hack happen. So they're basically claiming it didn't require a whole lot of money or expense. But when you dig a little bit deeper, you have to understand that they obviously had a pretty sophisticated 3D printer in the first place, which can cost several thousand dollars. And then they also had to have a person with which to provide high resolution photos from various different angles. So um, when you think about it in terms of that, that means that someone would have to get a hold of me and then allow me to sit for them to get high resolution scans of my face in really good lighting conditions to then be able to take those prints and then glue them onto a 3D model of my face, which they would also need me for to get the 3D model of my head. So um, when you consider that, you know, at that point, if someone was really that adamant about getting into your phone, they probably would have a better chance of just tying you down, putting a gun to your head and asking you to sit still while they scan your face. Um, you know, the likelihood that they're going to be able to get all the moving parts that they need to produce the model that was used in this video to unlock your iPhone is pretty unlikely. So as a regular consumer, should you be concerned that your iPhone uh, 10 is 
less secure than your previous iPhones with Touch ID? Probably not. Now, if you're maybe a high-profile CEO or a per perhaps a government uh, official or somebody else, then maybe you have maybe some other issues or some other things to consider. But even then, I think that the fact that you need to have someone, you have to have access to someone's face for a pretty prolonged period of time to be able to gather all the data and scans and everything needed to make this hack viable, I really just don't see this being something that uh, that is going to cause a huge problem when it comes to the security of, of an iPhone. So does this story give you any concerns about the security of your iPhone due to the implementation of Face ID? Definitely leave me a comment or call in and let me know. And that's going to do it for the tech download for the day. You may have noticed, if you're paying attention, that uh, there was a pretty big gap between the uploads of the segments for this episode. And I do apologize for that. I had some technical difficulties yesterday. Uh, actually, it was multiple things happening all at once that caused a huge delay in my ability to uh, finish recording and edit all of the segments for yesterday's tech download and get them all uploaded at the same time. And so I had to make a decision today on whether or not to just scrap that whole episode or uh, upload the remaining segments and kind of just leave this little explainer at the end. So that's what I decided to do. I do appreciate your patience and I appreciate all of you guys who continue to tune in to the station each and every day. If you haven't already, consider favoriting the station so you can get notified when new uploads of the tech download, the tech perspective, or any other uh, tech conversations get uploaded. And uh, if you're not following me on the podcast, you can go ahead and do that as well, as well as on all social media platforms at Gadget Reason. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your patience. And I will talk to you guys tomorrow.